So I have been thinking, as we all have, I think, probably, on some level or other, acknowledging that it's a new year, that 2019 has come upon us, and uh, no flying cars yet, um, but I understand that they're just around the corner, so... Um, although I did see a really funny meme on Facebook the other day uh, where apparently because of a new Netflix movie where uh, they blindfold, they have to go outside blindfolded or bad things happen. So apparently a bunch of people are walking around with blindfolds getting themselves into trouble. So we may be on the cusp of flying cars, but that doesn't mean we're smarter. <laughs> um, but New Year's, it's a funny thing. I, it's... I, I acknowledge it, and it's a helpful spot to pause and to reflect on what happened last year and, and to anticipate uh, and look forward to what might be coming. Um, it's, uh, it is a time of making resolutions. I have a few uh, uh, things that I would like to do better in a more healthy way. I am fairly prepared to uh, fail because that's what statistically happens. So... Occasionally we win, so it's still a good, it's still a good idea. I don't think that it's a bad idea, but I think I'm a realist, right? I've already had more chocolate than I said I was gonna. So, um, but you know, I have been looking to January for some time, and the reason why is because, you know, as I've reflected about this past season that we've been in, our first season together, you guys, as a like this, right? Me, live sick by the way today. I say prayer for her. Um, feverish and whiny. <laughs> she never listens to these things. <laughs> She's got so much dirt on me, it's, it's all in chest. Um, uh, anyway, okay, so people have asked me, how, how's it going? How are you feeling about this? Right? And, um, and I'm having a blast. I'm having a lot of fun, is the honest answer. Um, you know, it, but I also have realized, for me personally, how fast this all happened. You guys know that this time last year, there was no inkling of any of this, that Liv and I would be here with you guys, let alone be four months into the journey, right? And so as, um, you know, friends and, and people I've known for a long time, I've checked in, how's it going, Chris? It's like, oh yeah, it's, it's fun, it's fun, but I feel like we're just kind of catching our breath a little bit. Like, I think we like each other. I like you guys. I get the impression of more or less on a balance, maybe you like me too. <laughs> this is why I caveat things. Really? <laughs> really like Liv. Yeah, that's worth record. That's worth saying it again so it gets captured. Um, and I feel like there's been a grace on those first four months just to kind of get to know each other, to get a sense of our vibe, your vibe, my vibe, and our collective vibe. 
But I was saying to somebody a little while ago, uh, they were asking, and I said, yeah, I think we really like each other. I don't think I've broken the church yet. Um, probably we should do something. Like, probably we should go somewhere. Right? And I don't... What I don't mean to say in that is that we've been sitting around doing nothing, twiddling our thumbs. I don't mean to say that in the least. It's really important to spend time and to build community. And yet we're here for a reason. That's something God has spoken, I think, really clearly. That we are a people for a reason. Um, we're not just a club. We're not just a club of people who like each other more or less and who have a lot of things in common that we believe. There's more to it. We're here for a reason. And that's why I've been looking to 2019 because I kind of felt like the Lord said to me, you know, you just chill and, and be a people together and enjoy one another. Um, and and that, there's a, that there's a turn, there's a shift. And we're going to be stepping forward, I think, into... Uh, the reality of, of the work of God around us. And I know that that is two things. Um, I know from experience that that is petrifying. And I know that it is absolutely life-giving. I know that. So doing, being present to the work of God around us is so life-giving. Um, this is a really long kind of introduction to a theme that I want to introduce. And if you read your bulletin, you, you already have a sense of this. But, you know, as we've started gathering with the board and elders and just kind of just conversations with, with one another, this idea of homecoming, of being home, of there being a home, seems to really matter. And, uh, and there's a lot of resonance. There's a lot of resonance with me in that. I know that it's been a transitionary time for a long time. And I know that uh, we're grateful for this building that we're in. I also know that there's a love-hate relationship with this room. And, uh, and it's, it's something that um, I've just kind of seen come up. Right? It's, it's part of conversation. Underlying that, though, regardless of the specifics of location where we gather, I know that God is calling us home. He's calling us. That, that sounds kind of like a fatalistic thing. I don't mean it in that sense. right? But to be home, He's calling us to be home, to be a home. Uh, I had a story that came to mind as I was reflecting on this from my, uh, I was 18, I was out in British Columbia at a school of discipleship, and uh, a, a bunch of strangers, we hardly knew each, each other, I think we had only been really um, together for maybe a week, week and a half, and uh, we got woken up rudely, very early in the morning, and we're told to, you know, get our clothes on. We're all living in community in, in the um, lower mainland, a place called DeRoche. And uh, so we got to get our, our clothes on, uh, dress for the weather, 
and we do this crazy jog, this run, it's raining because it's BC and it's fall and it's cold and we do this big long run and uh, we get to the bottom and and then they kind of basically say, okay, so we're going out into the wilderness for the next, uh, for the next couple of days. Hop in the car, we're going to drive to a place, we're going to drop you off. And, uh, and it's like, what in the world is going on? Basically, it's what they called, they called it a Nico, which is Greek for something clever that I don't remember. Um, but it, yeah, basically a survival team building experience, right? So uh, there's all kinds of foothills around, and you know, we get to this one area, and they, you know, they say, okay, you know, that hill up there, you need to, you need to get to that, you need to get to that point, right? They don't really have maps, like it's you got a compass. And so anyway, so you guys, this, know the story, right? There's, you know, there's, there's friction. We're broken into teams. You know, some people are team players. Some people are not. Um, some people are slow. Um, and we're out there for, for a couple of days. So we have, we have a night and it rained. Oh my gosh, it rained that first night. And I got soaked. And I thought I was going to die of hypothermia because getting cold at night and having a wet sleeping bag is bad. And... Um, we were given live chickens and said, happy, happy dinner. <laughs> For real. I could tell you a story that I'm not going to that's gross about that. So anyways, so we have our night. The last day, the similar thing. Okay, see so that spot up there. You need to hit that spot. And then from there, you have to navigate your way home. Right? And... I don't remember all the details, but we must have had a map for that one. And so, uh, so we go off, we set out our little team. I think there were three of us. And, uh, you know, by the time we, we got a little bit turned around, and we were, we were quite cold and really tired, and the sun was going down. So the sun was, the sun was going down. And I know that's true. This is a long time ago. This is a remote memory for me, but I know it's true because I remember when I saw the house that we were staying in, I saw the glowing lights of the inside. And I was just so drawn to that warmth. I knew it was going to be warm. I knew there was going to be food. Right? I knew there was going to be safety. And that sense of coming around the corner and seeing the glow of that house had a very profound, it was, it's, a, it's a strong emotional memory for me. Like, oh, I'm going to die today. Right? Um, and I think it's really important as a, as a people who are called together for the purposes of following Jesus together, but also for the purposes of being in the thick of what God is doing in the world. This is so tied in, in my mind, to this sense of home and homecoming. It's so much bigger than where we meet. It really is so much bigger than that. We just closed our uh, 
Actually, today is the 12th day of Christmas. Today is Epiphany. Right? So there, historically, there, it's a 12-day celebration. Uh, that, that doesn't sell so well in our consumer world, and so it's shifted, right? But this really is the, 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 the final day of, of this Christmas season, and, and it's Epiphany. And so Epiphany really marks the arrival of the three uh, magi who were we don't, I mean, we don't know lots of different ideas probably not royalty probably astrologers which is kind of a strange thing to contemplate like how does that fit they were probably of a different religion they're you know a different they're coming from a different part of the world God was speaking something to them. And so they, and it's, I love the prophecies that we read from Isaiah and from, from the Psalms, Psalm 70, I think it was. Um, this, you know, it's, it sort of speaks to some, some of the specifics, but this idea that when the king comes, the world is going to seek him out and that he is going to be the king, not just of the people of Israel, but that he is going to be the king of the kingdom of God. And this is global thing. This is all peoples. And so I want to just touch on something here that was a surprise to me. I learned something this week that was quite interesting. Um, I've touched on John, the opening passage of John is called the, the prologue a couple times already. And uh, and it's it's kind of at the core is right at the center of our understanding of who Jesus is. It's, it's, probably, it's basically why we understand Jesus as God. It's that important. Without, without the first chapter of John, the Bible, this is a very different story. Um, and one of the things that John says in the first chapter, in verse 14, uh, he says, now the word became flesh and took up residence among us. So it's the New English translation. Other translations say this. He made his dwelling among us. Dwelt among us. Made his home among us. Lived among us. Uh, The message says moved into the neighborhood. I like that one. So, and I've loved this passage for a long time. The nearness of God. Emmanuel, God. You know, God with us. Right? What's interesting is that the 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 original, like the, the the word, the Greek word that's used is uh, the word skenao, and that actually refers to a tabernacle, not a permanent building, it's a tent. Which is, I found that so interesting to me because I had never read it that way. I had never read it as conjuring up the image of the Israelites in the desert right fleeing from Pharaoh and it's at Mount Sinai there's this set of edicts that comes down and they start tabernacling they start moving around and bringing the tent of, of meeting, of dwelling with them now Jesus, you know, we don't want to go too deep into this both for time and just okay, this, there's some complex things that are themes that are at work in all of this. Um, 
Jesus talks about himself as a temple, so there is a permanence to what he's done. But I didn't realize that when John, and John was super specific about the words that he chose. Of all of the gospel writers, we know that for sure, because John specifically said, if I said everything that Jesus did, the whole world couldn't contain the books. So John basically says at one point, I've been specific, I've told you certain things, and I've left certain things out. And the really beautiful thing when an author says that is that you know that whatever they put in, they meant to. Right? They're not just telling... It's, he's, John's not just telling the story as it happened. He's choosing to tell the story in a particular way for a particular reason. And so he chooses particularly to invoke this image in his hearers, in their first readers, of a tabernacle like Jesus. And so... As I thought about that, I looked into to numbers, which kind of gives the, a, the, a clearest a clearest picture of of how this thing worked, this tabernacling thing during that season in Israel's history. So Numbers 19, verses 15 to 23 say this. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. And this was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud covered the tabernacle, had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break the camp and follow it. And wherever the crowd, wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would come and set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever He told them to go. It'll leave it there for this passage. Okay, so what I want to highlight is a, a, a bit of a contrast for me in my in my thinking. Because when I think about being in a, a people at home, having a home, I really love the idea of that being a location, a specific place where we can be found. Um, that's what Jesus was. Jesus was a person who could be found. He was the location, and we talked about this. He was the location of, of, of God, the location of the kingdom, the location of God's promises. He was incarnate. He was Jesus. And I, I like interpreting that through the lens of this is where we are this is our base this is our home but what's pulled into the language that John is using is different because the Israelites were following the cloud it didn't matter whether it was leading them to the promised land or not they were not going to the promise. I mean, they ultimately ended up at the promised land and that was part of how they understood. But they were not going to the promised land. They were following the cloud. They were tabernacling. They were following Jesus. They were, they were going where the Holy Spirit, essentially, we can see the Holy Spirit in this, was leading them, following. And that became their home. When God said, here now, they set up and they... It was elaborate. I forget the metrics, but there's something like a small number of verses that describe the creation of the whole world. And there are 
infinitely boring chapters about the specificity of the tabernacle. It was very specific. They sat at home where God told them to, and then they moved. So it so it's a fo- so there was a followership. And this was interesting too. Because we're going to explore at some point because it's a great, uh, uh, there's, there's some really amazing things to unpack about the promised land and all the promises of God and that. Um, but largely because of the film, uh, it, you know, the Exodus movie, the Charlton Heston film, you know, let my people go, right? Um, largely because of that, I had sort of put this through the lens of of the promised land, right? God's going to deliver his people from Egypt and take them into the promise. And that is part of the text. There's no question that that is a major theme that exists there. But what I find really interesting is this. The very first time that Moses approaches Pharaoh, he does not say, let my people go so that we can go and inhabit a land. You know, which on one hand you say, well, of course he didn't say that. He wasn't stupid. But then, again, it didn't matter because Pharaoh was going to harden his heart over and over again. So that's, that's not a reasonable thing. No, that, what happened was uh, in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, uh, afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has said. Release my people so that they may hold a pilgrim feast to me in the wilderness. The first call was not to not to a country, not to a land. The first call was was to a following and encountering God in the wilderness. It was worship. It was it had to do with followership first, and I hadn't seen that before. First promise. I think that's cool. Okay, I'm going to close out. We're we are getting to the home stretch. I'm going to do the difficult work of weaving this into the epiphany. (laughs) I think it's quite related, actually. Um, Now, I was uh, uh, spiritually born and raised in the vineyard, right? So, you guys have heard, most most of you have heard that story. I'll tell it another time. but I, I have no real experience of churchdom apart from the vineyard uh, movement. So why do I have such a thing about the Christian calendar? Because these things are not typically like woven together. This is not common. Why is that? Well, you can blame, like first in line, you can blame Dan Wilt, who's a dear, if you're familiar with him, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he pastored at the Cambridge Vineyard, was one of my first mentors, and uh, and he has instilled a, uh, a love in me in my adult life for the Christian calendar. But who inspired him to so the actual culprit is a, is a guy named Robert, Robert Weber. And uh, Robert Weber, um, he, he's, he's passed away now, but he just had this mis- mission to restory the church. To restory the church. To remember forward. He 
called it ancient future worship. Right? To not be forgetful. To have a big gospel, that kind of thing. And so in a book that he wrote, uh, I just want to read, it's a bit of an excerpt, but I think it's helpful. To our season... So he writes this as a reflection. He had just been in a, uh, his first epiphany service, which we haven't quite done, but that's fine. And so he's reflecting on this initial experience because he also came out of more of the charismatic uh, evangelical part of the wing of the church. So he starts, Well, the Old Testament lessons uh, from Isaiah 60 and Psalm 72, which we read this morning during worship, um, while they proclaim the prophecy, and Matthew describes the fulfillment of the prophecy in Christ, which is the Magi, which we didn't read this morning, but we are familiar, I think, with that story. The epistle, which is from Ephesians, which we're going to touch on in a minute, declares how the nations of the earth will hear of Christ, the light of the world. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. I want you to really listen in closely because these words are challenging. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known. That's a hefty passage, you guys. That's a hefty passage. It's Ephesians 3, verses 8 to 10, if you want to look that up later. And we kind of ran through it, and there was some activity. Um, the it's actually really good. I, let's say the demonstrated. Is that fair in this context? I think that would be fair to say the the demonstrated wisdom of God. The, the I don't want to say full. But there's an element of that. Um, yeah, I'm going to carry on. Thank you for asking the question, though. The church is the sign of Christ in the world, the continuing manifestation of Jesus in the world. The church is not primarily a building, a diocese, or a denomination, but a people. I am the church, you are the church. As I listen to these passages and to their explanation, I realized that epiphany and epiphany was occurring for me right there in the service of worship. I was seeing the glory of God in Christ face to face. This manifestation, the epiphany, was not to be a thing of the past, something that happened 2,000 years ago, but was to be an appearance now in the body of Christ assembled, an epiphany in me. I have been called from light to darkness, and now I, uh, now I was to be a manifestation of Christ. My part was to respond, to say yes to the calling, to commit my life to be a center through which the epiphany 
can be extended beyond the crib to the world of my everyday experience. As the epiphany continued to express itself upon me through the creed, the prayers, passing the peace and the Eucharist, I found myself fighting the call to an epiphany spirituality. I wanted to treat the service like a play to be observed. The incarnation is for me, I thought, but the epiphany is for others. It's for the pastor. That's for the evangelists, the missionaries. They have been called to an epiphany spiritually, but God doesn't need me to be an epiphany. This is a tension all of us experience. We struggle with the mandate to be a witness to Christ in our every working, everyday working lives, and many of us shun it, hiding our light under a bushel. But the mission of the church and of every member of Christ's body is a mandate that cannot be denied. We are his body, the church, and the church is a movement sent on a mission by God, a mission that involves us all. Now what does that have to do with homecoming? If we were a tabernacling people, if the word of God came and tabernacled among us and we're called to follow him, I am convinced that we are going to encounter him and have the lights get thrown on, not in this room. Or any room that we choose to meet in. This is not, this is not where we are going to discover the Magi. The Magi follow a star. This is this is the theme this morning. They followed a star and they found their king, an unlikely king indeed, the Israelites, longing for the promised land, but at the end of the day, they were not, they were following. That was the call, was to follow. That is our call. It's to follow. And I believe that God is calling us, not inward, exclusively anyways. He's calling us to be community, no question. But you guys, when I went out and knocked on doors and we gave away some fruit and candy canes and I got to see the lights come on in a young woman's eyes, that was amazing. I had not seen God like that for too long. And I was like, that is it. That's, that's what I forgot. I forgot because this can feel like home. But we are called to follow out there. We are called, and in that place we get to be home. We get to be a home. Collectively. Close with this story. When Steve spoke two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, he said about hospitality he said, open your homes to your neighbors. Pursue hospitality, he said. And a day will come where they will come to your door. Don't ask, don't answer questions that they're not asking, he said. And a day will come where they will knock on your door because they are in need. And they will trust. Well, that was Sunday. On Monday... 
matters. On Monday, at 7.15 a.m., bang, 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 dog starts barking. There's a knock on the door. Luf looks at me concerned because people don't knock on our door at 7 o'clock in the morning. I go and standing at the door is my neighbor, Greg. And Greg has lived beside us for about five years and we have pursued a relationship. It's, you know, it's, we've always been very, tried to be friendly and we're on friendly terms. We haven't had a connection, let's say, just conversations. You know, but we'll try to do their, shovel their, their, their walkway if we can, whatever. Anyway, bang, bang, bang. Uh, sorry about you guys. It's just, we just found out that um, my mom got rushed to the hospital. She's very sick. Uh, she's in Trenton. And I need to leave. I need to go. Uh, will you feed my cats? Right, and I'm, I'm just—I I have Steve's voice from the day before. He's telling me, "What? This is this has been years," and all of a sudden, I've got someone, and uh, and so, I, you know, I I said yes, of course. I'm allergic to cats. I didn't say that. <laughs> and you know, and I said, "Hey, listen. I mean, they, they know we're we're believers in this. Hey, listen, can I?" Can I pray for your mom? Like, with you right now before you go real quick. And so I got to pray for him. And uh, and then later that night, I I go and because he had taken care of the cats for the morning, so I go in the evening to feed the cats. And I I have the key and I'm stumbling around. I've never been in their house, you guys. I've never been in their house. And I walk in and the house is pitch black. I have no. I'm stumbling into things. I'm trying to find out my flashlight out with my phone. I'm trying to find the lights. And I'm just thinking, how this is like it's not amazing. It's it's awful that his this you know his mom and, and she's fighting cancer and it's not looking great. So we are this is an ongoing process and we have a point of connection and we're always asking and checking in. But how beautiful that he knew that he could come and knock on our door and give us the keys to a house that we've never been in. It felt like a promise to me. It felt like fruit. And it felt like encountering God out there. And now we get to come. And there are other stories that are in the room. I know there are other stories that are in the room of how this stuff is happening. And I think that that's home. Following God. And you guys, if we, like, totally would love to find another space to meet. And if God opens the door for that, yeah, we'll do it. But we are going to be home here or there or wherever. We are, we are going to find a homecoming in the purposes of God and the presence of Christ. And it's, we're going to come home. That's what's going to happen. I'm convinced that that's part of the season for us. And that's what I got. Thank you. And um, it talks, it says, the implications of the decision were manifold, which means numerous, multiple. Many. Oh, yeah. Diverse, yeah, various. So sort of the, the decisions we make. Like, yeah. For example, the decisions you made to sort of 
follow Jesus, the decisions you made to uh, have that relationship with your neighbor, they're various. Those yeah. aren't just one plan, and this is going to be the ultimate un- outcome. If we do these steps, imagination is, uh, is the limit for what mm. God can do and will do. Manifold is in many, yeah. You got Greg. Uh, so we also went there over here. Yeah. And the media, fluidity. Yeah, which is, I thought it was a That's good. I'll go with both of those. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Uh, we just want to follow you. And that, and we know that that's, that that's where you are, where our home is. Um, I ask God that as we go from this place today, that we would step into uh, epiphany, a moment of clarity, of understanding, of seeing, recognizing, and celebrating the King. God, we ask that you would allow us to be your body, a light that is not hidden, a light that can be seen. And by your spirit, God, that there would be epiphanies that would happen all around us. It's a, it's a broken world, Jesus, that needs you. And so we ask for the grace that you would move through us. And we ask that with all kinds of fear and trepidation and humility because we know that we're really kind of messy sometimes. Thanks that you're out there already. In Jesus' name.